Hello everyone, this episode will encapsulate all of what is important about healthy sex and healthy sexuality. I'm going to start this episode, uh, we're going to hear from uh, sexual trauma overcomers because if we don't start the episode right, then it'll be another episode that people have done on their platforms. They talk about sex, but they leave out sexual trauma overcomers. I'm not going to do that. And to make it clear, yes, I am a sexual trauma overcomer. Um, I'm victorious over the sexual trauma that was forced upon me. So I'm going to start off with what is it like? What I'm going to start off this way. TheLily.com, Voices of Sexual Trauma, the Perspective Section. Not every story is the same. What does sex look like after sexual trauma? Seven survivors of assault talk about their recovery process. Not every story is the same. Katie Simon, November 28, 2018. This is Katie talking. I'm going to slow down because of the content at hand. Katie Simon says, I was 18 when a man raped me. It's an age when many are just beginning to explore sex and the trauma of assault stunted my sexual development for years. Initially, I completely avoided sex. When I did start to have sex, I was triggered to the point of panic attacks. I wasn't sure what to tell partners or how much. I felt isolated, unsure, if anybody else was going through the same trauma. And I started talking with friends and acquaintances who also have histories of sexual trauma. And I discovered that many survivors, I like to say overcomers and victors, encounter similar difficulties when it comes to post-assault sex. I began to feel slightly less alone. But not every story of recovery is the same. Reclaiming a sexual identity. Ashley was sexually assaulted when she was in high school. Over the next several years, she struggled to build an enjoyable, meaningful sex life. Like many assault survivors, again, I prefer the terms overcomers and victors, Sometimes partners treated her like she was broken or assumed that she wasn't interested in sex. Many partners treated her as quote-unquote somebody they needed to be careful with, she explains over the phone. As someone who considers herself particularly sex positive, this was frustrating for her. Maya experienced conflicting pressure from her community and her partners. 
specifically in the black community, women are expected to get up and keep going, Maya says in quotations. But when Maya defied the image of a quote-unquote battered woman, some of her partners projected their own stereotypes on her. Those partners' beliefs didn't allow victims to be strong people who are quote-unquote okay, Maya says. Some even insisted that something must be wrong with her if she didn't seem affected by her experience of assault. Ultimately, Maya feels that, quote-unquote, allowing people to be wounded is important, but woundedness shouldn't be a requirement. Shannon also felt boxed into a narrative after her rape. Partners have assumed she was reduced to the single trauma story. A lot of guys have only been able to focus on that, she says, but I'm not only this one situation, quote-unquote. Challenges and changes to sex. Sex used to feel like a romantic connection to share with the right person to Christy. But after a man raped her at a party, she found herself dissociating, feeling disconnected from her body, and even further disconnected from her partner. Janet was repeatedly assaulted by a man that snuck up behind her and afterwards didn't want her partner to approach her from behind. A man assaulted Kelly at night, so she prefers sex early in the day. Plus, she says my assault was very aggressive and manual, and so for a long time I was more comfortable having intercourse as opposed to manual stimulation. Triggers like these may fade with time, worsen, or stick around. Many survivors, I say overcomers and victors, avoid sex following their assaults and the reasons behind abstaining are complex. Uh, Alicia didn't want anything to do with sex or pleasure for years after experiencing assault. When I started feeling strong attraction, started wanting to do things with different people, I felt a lot of guilt, Alicia says, like it was a thing that I wasn't allowed to explore because this other Thing had happened to me that I was inviting for it to happen again. Sexual assault may impact survivors' preferences or understanding of their sexuality. Maya found it easier to be intimate with somebody the same gender after a man raped her. Since then, the assault I haven't been able to feel as intimately close with men as with women, she says. Okay, I'm going to stop right there and say that Rape doesn't make anybody gay. Members of the LGBTQI plus community are not rapists. Rape has nothing to do with orientation or identity. It has everything to do with perverse power. Similarly, Jairus is exploring the possibility he is asexual and how that might be related to assisted assault. Let me pause right there. Rape doesn't make people asexual. Asexuality is beautiful. And the asexual community should be honored. 
Defining consent. Assault, quote unquote, definitely made me more concerned about the power dynamics behind sex, actually says. I wanted to be 100% in control of sexual experiences after the assault. She began to prefer approaching partners rather than the other way around. Sexual assault changed Jess's perspective on when to speak up in a sexual encounter versus when to go by quote-unquote signals or according to what she felt expectations were. Quote-unquote, it's the little things I never would have noticed that I thought would be romantic or cute in the past. Like if a guy just took my face and kissed me, and now it's like, don't kiss me without asking if you can. Jess noticed a change from a tendency toward nonverbal communication toward a preference for verbal communication. While communication and consent are important, Maya found that sometimes a partner's words could get in the way of intimacy, she says to some of her partners. They're so concerned about my reaction and history about what might happen that we can't get there. Communication with partners. Maya found that in today's climate, dating involves conversations where assault comes up naturally and could be a segue into talking about how it affects sex. But not everybody finds those conversations easy. Janet says that while her husband was supportive of her legal actions against the man who assaulted her, they didn't discuss the impact of the assaults on their sex life together. Even though it ultimately had an effect, it was hard on him that I just sort of lost interest. She says, looking back, she does, quote, unquote, think we should have talked about it. Sex itself is often challenging for many people to talk about, so discussing the intersection of sex and sexual assault can mean confronting stigma on multiple fronts and therefore seem impossible to broach. Many survivors, I say victors and overcomers, choose not to disclose their histories at all. And conversations don't always have the desired effect. Partners may try to rush survivors as a least experience. People are okay to talk about it once or twice and then want you to get over it, she says. One of Lisa's partners says, since he felt he was a safe person, Alicia should feel safe too. If I'm talking to you about not feeling safe, then clearly I don't feel safe, she continues. But the scariest thing for many survivors is that there's no guarantee that communication will solve all issues. When Jess told her sexual partner and trusted friend about her assault, he wasn't responsive and pushed her head down when they were hooking up. After she told him that was triggering, he didn't listen, instead turned violent. It cut so much more deep because it was somebody I explained everything to, Jess says. But many survivors, I say victors and overcomers, find those conversations worth it, Ashley says. If you can't talk about your assault or rape, it's harder to talk about sex in general. Talking about sexual assault can lead to more open conversations, which can in turn lead to more gratifying sex. What has helped? There's a lot of partners can do to help, and many are. There's a lot partners can do to help, and many are. After a few dates, Jairus told the man that would later become his husband about the sexual abuse he suffered as a child. Jairus says that later he texted me and said, I understand that with someone with your background, you may have difficulty with sex, and if it takes a month, a year, 10 years to have sex, I'm willing to wait. Jair says that kind of communication helped him build a healthy sexual relationship with his now husband. Friends and therapy can help too, whether or not a partner is involved, Kelly says. 
I was in group therapy for survivors of assault, victors and overcomers of assault. And so I had the opportunity to discuss sex with eight other women. Kelly found the experience particularly helpful in normalizing what she was going through. Jess found social support similarly helpful and she thinks her current healthy relationship was made possible through the support of her friends who made it their priority to educate themselves about sexual assault. Though social support in and out of relationship can help in the end, regaining a satisfying sex life is an internal struggle. Kelly says that ultimately it needed to come from a place within rather than from the reassurance of a partner. Editor's note. The Lily has chosen to protect the identities of those in this story by not using their full names. Katie Simon is currently working on a memoir about the year she got the plague. Um, so I mentioned that I am an overcomer and victor of child uh, sex crimes that occurred to me. So what is my sex life now? I have sex in patches. I have sex in moderation, not too many partners, and at the same time, I don't experience sexual suppression, and I don't experience sexual repression. Um, I always make sure that my partners and I adhere to the CERTS model of healthy sex and healthy sexuality, consent, equality, respect, trust, and safety. Um, some of them, I mean, because I I went public about the assault, pretty much all my partners know and are going to know because my podcast is public. The podcast is public. Our podcast is public, right? So I don't have sex with insensitive lovers. I only have sex with sensitive lovers. I'm a sensitive lover myself. I am never an insensitive lover. Um, there are safe words and we're okay with stopping anytime and we take our breaks and we always make each other feel as the royalty that we are, we make each other feel loved, liked, and appreciated. And we have unconditional, compassionate love for one another. That's how it has worked out for me. I've, I've went to therapy. Um, I've went to counseling. Um, I self-educated myself using credible websites, credible articles like the ones I'm reading to you right now. Well, I did then actually, and a lot of reflection. I studied religious sexuality. I studied the evils of sexual traumatizers. Um, I experienced the sexual societal recklessness. And so I came to the conclusion that I am a empathy-based, uh, secular sexuality kind of person. 
I am sex positive and I am the kind of person that I treat sex with sacredness. What does that mean? I treat sex with respectfulness and that's why I treat my sexual partners with respectfulness too. I wanna mention this. Healthy LGBTQI plus relationships. A healthy relationship is a healthy relationship regardless of your sexual orientation. If you're wondering about yours, take our relationship quiz at loveisrespect.org and see how you score. Abusers may say that disrespect for violent behavior in a LGBTQ plus relationship is normal, but it's not. Um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, questioning, and queer, intersex, um, asexual, and so on and so forth, and I say that respectfully, the entire gender sexual diversity, all sexual relationships, all gender identities, and all sex characteristics, youth have healthy relationships at similar rates and in much the same way as heterosexual couples. Cisgender people are people who say, because I was born with a penis, this is how they identify. I just wanted to throw that in there so where everybody's respectfully uh, talked about. LGBTQIA+, what the letters mean? Lesbian. A woman who is physically, romantically, and or emotionally attracted to other women. Gay. A man who is physically, romantically, and slash or emotionally attracted to other men. Bisexual. An individual who is physically, romantically, and slash or emotionally attracted to men and women. Transgender. An inclusive term for people whose gender identity and slash or expression differs from the sex they were assigned at birth. Transgender people may or may not decide to alter their bodies hormonally or surgically. Transsexual. A person who experiences a mismatch between the sex they were assigned at birth and the sex they identify as being. A transsexual person sometimes undergoes medical treatment to change their physical sex to match their gender identity. Not all transsexual people can or desire to alter their bodies. Queer. In the past, queer was a derogatory term, but now some LGBTQIA plus people use it to describe themselves in their community. Others still find it offensive, so it's best to use this word only if the person you're referring to has, has already identified as queer. Questioning. People still in the process of exploring their sexual identity who are not ready to apply a label to themselves. Um, Uh, what's the definition for intersex? Intersex people are individuals born with any of sexual variations and sex characteristics, including, including chromosomes, genetics, uh, sex hormones, or genitals that, according to the Office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights, do not fit the typical definition definitions for male or female bodies. 
though the range of atypical sex characteristics may be obvious from birth through the pre through the presence of physically ambiguous genitalia in other instances, these atypical characteristics may go unnoticed, presenting as ambiguous internal reproductive organs or atypical chromosomes that may remain unknown to an individual all their life. And so, asexuality is the lack of sexual attraction to others or lower absent interest in or desire for sexual activity. It may be considered a sexual orientation or the lack thereof. It may also be categorized more widely to include a broad spectrum of asexual sub-identities. Asexuality is distinct from abstention from sexual activity and from celibacy, which are behavioral and generally motivated by factors such as the individual's personal, social, or religious beliefs. Sexual orientation, unlike sexual behavior, is believed to be quote-unquote enduring. Some asexual people engage in sexual activity despite lacking a sexual attraction or desire for sex due to a variety of reasons, such as a desire to pleasure themselves or romantic partners or a desire to have children. Acceptance of asexuality as a sexual orientation in the field of scientific research is still relatively new. As a growing body of research from both sociological and psychological perspectives has begun to develop. While some researchers assert that asexuality is a sexual orientation, other researchers disagree. Various asexual um, communities have started to form since the advent of the internet and social media. The most prolific and well-known of these communities is the Asexual Visibility Education Network, which was founded in 2001 by David Jay. Now, you do have some asexual people who have sex here and there. So some asexual people do experience uh, sex drives with varying degrees here and there, and that's why some of them may have sex here and there, based upon uh, research I have done. Um, of course, you do have straight allies, people who are heterosexual, who are in full support of the LGBTQI plus community. And plus means, for example, you do have people who don't fit the gender binary at all. So you have some people who have a variety of attractions, a variety of gender identification, and a variety of multiple bodily parts. So that's why plus means everybody, because the acronym, there's more to people than just the acronyms, right? That's why the plus, because there's so many um, unique ways of self-preservation and community preservation. Okay, you have a few more. Out, being open about your sexual orientation and slash or gender identity. Outing, revealing a person's sexual orientation without their permission. Sex, the male or female label signed at birth. Sexual orientation, who you're physically attracted to, gender. The general public's ideas about the differences in proper behavior and roles between men and women. 
gender identity. The set of behaviors or roles associated with the gender a person identifies with presents to the public. Gender expression, the way people express their gender, gender identity to others through behavior and appearance. Uh, transgender people may match their gender expression to the way they feel, not the sex label they were given at birth. See, gender neutral pronoun that can be used instead of he or she. And you have some people who say that they are plus and they want to know if their relationships are healthy. You know your relationship is probably healthy if your partner respects your chosen gender pronouns or name, respects your boundaries, gives you space to hang out with friends and family without thinking you're cheating, doesn't take your money or tell you, or tell you what to buy, never threatens to out you to people, never tells you you're not a real lesbian, gay man, trans person, whatever you identify as because you don't have sex the way they want you to. And then some members of LGBTQS plus come in and wondering, my relationship is healthy or abusive. That's what they say. If you're LGBTQIA plus, you can face unique obstacles to seeking help, knowing that you're not alone and there are places that can help. Chat with a peer advocate or check out our our, refer, or check out our referrals at loversrespect.org. If you're in an unhealthy or abusive relationship, you have many options, including obtaining a domestic violence restraining order. Laws vary from state to state, so chat with a peer advocate to learn more. Whether or not you're ready to end a relationship, consider creating a safety plan. Yes, I think that when it comes to what we're talking about, sex, you cannot leave out members of the LGBTQ plus community because that is inhumane and cruel. Okay. So let us talk about... Um, Respect for sex workers, respect for all, Kaylin Dunnett, September 14, 2017. The other night I was lying in bed, drifting in and out of sleep while non-committedly scrolling through my phone's Twitter feed. As I was browsing, a video caught my eye that a fellow user reposted. The content was shocking enough to shake me from my nighttime stupor. The video began with a couple of young men in a car coasting through an urban cityscape. While at a spotlight, one passenger looked over and noticed a woman who seemed to be searching for someone, for something or someone near the street. The two men decided she was a sex worker and called out to her from their window. She approached her voice quizzical as she asked whether or not there were potential customers. Under the guise of seriousness, G-U-I-S-C, they proposed several services and offered to pick her up at a curb down the street. Down the road, sorry. The video then cut to the car slowing down at the meeting point and the woman walked over to the car before she could speak. Passenger close to her pulled the lid off a fountain drink and cruelly threw its contents on her, soaking the woman with what appeared to be soda. The people in the car sped away, laughing as the video ended. The post, which has since been deleted from Twitter, left a lasting impression on me, prompting me to write this piece. Sex workers are not deserving of the dehumanizing treatment and portrayal they so often get by the media and from the general public. It's time to start viewing sex workers as complex feeling, working human beings are more than a one-dimensional quote-unquote hooker trope. A popular argument those that are against sex work proposes that the criminalization of sex work will eliminate the issue and that keeping prostitution out of sight and out of mind will solve the supposed problem of sex workers on the street. Sex work, however, cannot be criminalized without violating human rights. According to the Open Society Foundations, if sex work were to be criminalized, it would drive sex work underground, furthering abuses that may not be recognized by law enforcement. Open Society Foundations also explains how individuals participate in sex work for, for a variety of reasons. 
Many choose to participate in sex work to explore and express their sexuality, while others participate in sex work due to its flexible working conditions. Some individuals don't have the luxury of choice and pursue sex work due to poverty, inadequate education, or lack of an economically viable job. Open Society Foundations also writes that sex workers are often treated as less than human, both in cultural attitude and in public policy. Marginalized groups may suffer from pre-existing biases held by employers or law enforcement, including people of color and transgender or gender nonconforming people. According to reporter Paul Harris of The Guardian, undocumented immigrants are especially vulnerable because of their citizenship status and may be afraid to approach law enforcement for help should they ever be in a dangerous situation. These circumstances and reasons paint a picture of a, of a very diverse group of people whose work influences their lives in a, multiple of way, in a multitude of ways. Regarding sex work and the empowerment that workers can derive from it, I found a very interesting collective of writings focused on black or brown women as women in STEM, cis or trans who are pro-sex and slash or are sex workers and support sex workers' rights. The collective in question title Heal Thoughts was written by blogger Sufrembe Frembe on empowerment exclusive to people of color and the ownership of their sexuality and bodies. Prohuxism, the term that Suprembe coined for the movement, encompasses the, the destigmatization of black bodies as well as the decriminalization of sex work. Sufrembe's work is important as it uplifts marginalized voices and allows for a positive space for the sexuality of people of color to be embraced and defetishized. You may be wondering how one can be respectful and take action regarding the support of sex workers. Remember first and foremost that many sex workers have agency over their bodies. Monica Shores from alternate.org wrote about the importance of letting a sex worker decide for themselves whether or not they have been coerced or forced into sex work. Shores also advised against using terminology such as used goods or prostituted when discussing the body of a sex worker. Degrading language like this implies a sex worker is dirty, which is extremely alienating. Support can also be given with education. Visit blogs and websites of sex workers to understand their experiences firsthand. Look into activist groups dedicated to the safety and welfare of sex workers as well. A lot of unnecessary hatred and bigotry comes from a lack of exposure, the fear of unknown territory. Education is empowering. Education is liberating. Education is humanizing. Of all the ways to respect sex workers, listening to their stories and experiences and thus empowering their voices is the most poignant. Sex work is work and sex workers are workers. Sex work is real work and sex workers are real workers. Okay, I have to say this. Yes, there should be respect for sex workers. Okay, there should be respect for all, and there should be respect for all sex workers. Yes. I will also say that you have a lot of sex workers, based on my research, are well-educated and educated people. Uh, wise people. Um... Uh, highly intelligent, highly intellectual, um, compassionate, empathy, loving people, right? And they are sweet-natured, sweet-hearted people. And they mean the world good, not bad. 
and a lot of sex workers do have an outstanding vocabulary and extensive vernacular, if you will. And a lot of them have high school diplomas and college degrees, and they are a lot of them are entrepreneurial, and a lot of them use entrepreneurship to help resolve the ills of the world that we live in. And I want to say this, I hate guerrilla pimping, I hate drug pimping. Um, of course, all sex workers should be of age, adult age. And I, I think that I, I would like for sex workers to be their own managers and to be in charge of all of their operations because that definitely um, gets rid of pimps who are particularly violent. And so I support sex workers' rights 100%. I am for sex work being either decriminalized or legalized. Either direction that America goes in and the rest of the world goes in, one or both are are 100% fine with me. And I think that a lot of sex workers just enjoy what they do. A lot of them have awesome childhoods and awesome families and sex work is their thing. That's part of who they are. And sex workers are full-fledged human beings. They're fully human and they are full humanity. They're full humanness. They have the full human condition, that full human nature. And all should be cherished about them at all times. All right. Um, okay. I like to do this the right way. So I'm really proud of myself for doing that. Okay. Five things you need to know about sexual consent. In a nutshell, sexual consent is when you and your sexual partner both agree to have sex. It's really important to be clear on this before things get too hot and heavy. One, sexual consent must be explicit. There's only one way to know for sure if someone has given their consent, if they tell you. It's no good just to assume that the other person is as into it as you are. It's extremely important to check because any non-consensual sexual activity, even kissing and touching, is harmful against the law. Two, you can always change your mind. You and your sexual partner can decide at any time that you don't want to keep going, even if the sex stuff has begun. If this happens, both people should stop. Three, it's good to check in with each other. Take notice of your sexual partner's body language. For example, if they seem tense or uncomfortable, pause and ask them how they're feeling. But don't rely on them to notice your body language. Speak up and tell them how you're feeling and if you want to stop or take a break. Four, it's fine to slow things down or stop. There's really no rush to have sex if you're not feeling it. Things are moving along too quickly for you. You could say something like, can we slow down? Can we take a break or can we stop? Lastly, five, drink and drugs affect consent. If you're really drunk or high, you can't give consent. If you're sexual in any way with someone who's drunk or high, doesn't know what's going on, therefore can't give informed consent, it's equivalent to raping them. You're actually raping them. Remember, if you're both equally as enthusiastic about having sex, it's also makes the sex much more pleasurable and enjoyable bonus. What can I do now? Check that your sexual partner is comfortable with what's going on. Read about safe sex. Don't pressure someone if they don't feel ready. 
And I am going to have to say this. Your, your how-to guide for safe sex. Planning on having sex? Make it safe by getting your STI, sexually transmitted infection, prevention methods and contraception sorted. Knowing about consent and sexual health checks, having the quote-unquote, the talk with your sexual partner. Make sure that STD prevention methods, sexually transmitted disease prevention methods are in place too. This can help if, if you're planning to have sex, you want to know what safe sex is, you want to practice safe sex. One, know what safe sex is. Safe sex is in any sexual contact you have while protecting yourself and your partner from sexually transmitted infections, STIs, and unplanned pregnancies. Again, safe sex is any sexual contact you have while protecting yourself and your partner and their partners from sexually transmitted infections, STIs, and from sexually transmitted diseases, STDs, and unplanned pregnancies. Know what safe sex is again. While there's no way to guarantee that sex will be 100% safe, there are things you can do to make it safer. Start by talking with your partner and checking that you both want to have sex at the same time. Start by talking with your partner, checking that you both want to have sex at that time. Start by talking with your partner and your partners and checking that you both want to have sex at the same time. Same times, the times. Two, have quote unquote the talk. It's extremely important to make sure that you and your sexual partner and your sexual partners are on the same page before you all have sex. Talking about sex can feel totally awkward, but it will help to ensure that the sex you all are having is safe and respectful. It's a good idea to have a chat before things get hot and heavy when it will be easier to stay level-headed. Things to talk about include whether you're ready to have sex, what you want to do in the bedroom, an STI, STD prevention methods, and contraception. What you want to do outside the bedroom because you have people who have sexual settings that are not in bedrooms as well, and the bedroom sexual setting but it's not the only sexual setting for many people. Ask about the person's sexual health. If they have an STIs and STDs and whether they've had a sexual health check recently, remember that their answers don't mean that you don't need to use protection. Also talk beforehand about using condoms and slasher dams, D-A-N-S, and discuss who will buy them or get them for free from a family planning service or condom credit card, triple C card, registered provider. Three, know about consent. Consent is when both you and your partner or partners have a mutual agreement about sex. It means communicating with each other before and during sex to check that you are all happy and comfortable with what's taking place. Remember that you and your partner and our partners can change your mind at any point, including during sex. And you can oh you can read about more sexual consent there. Read more about sexual consent there or check out a video which compares consenting or declining to have sex to accepting or declining a cup of tea. You can say no to a cup of tea even if someone has already made it for you. Or get your contraception sorted. You should use STI and STD prevention methods and slasher contraception during any sexual contact to prevent STIs and slasher unplanned pregnancies. There are lots of different types of STI core prevention methods and contraception such as hormonal contraception these don't protect you from STIs condoms, female condoms, and diaphragms. Condoms for men are available over the counter from most supermarket service stations, chemists, or convenience stores, and condoms for women can be bought at chemist shops. You can get free condoms by going into 
a family planning center or a service that displays a condom credit card, triple C card, and asks for your own triple C card. When you have your own card, you can get free condoms at registered providers, whether you present your card. Read more about contraception here and STIs here. Five, practice safe oral sex. You can easily get an STI from having unsafe oral sex. You can reduce the risk by using condoms and dams, D-A-M-S, during oral sex or by avoiding oral sex if either of you has cuts or sores in on or around your mouth or genitals or a sore throat. Infections can be more easily passed on during this time. You should also have an STI test every year or more frequently if you start a new relationship. Uh, six, help prevent HIV. Condoms used with a water-based lubricant are still the most effective way to reduce the risk of HIV, but they are no longer the only option. Some HIV-negative people who are at ongoing risk of acquiring HIV are taking pre-exposure prophylaxis PrEP to help prevent HIV. Seven, get a sexual health check. The only way to know for sure if you have an STI is to have a sexual health check every year more frequently if you start a new relationship. It's also good to get checked after having unsafe sex or if you can't remember if you use safe sex precautions or if a previous or current partner informs you that they have an STI. STI tests are available from your doctor and sexual health clinics and are simple and confidential. Usually they involve a urine sample and slash your genital swab. If your results show that you have an infection, your previous and slash your current sexual partners will also need to be tested and treated. Otherwise, they may pass it back to you or to someone else. It can seem embarrassing to have a sexual health check, but remember that doctors have seen it all before. Read more about how to get a sexual health check here. Eight, be safe with strangers. If you're planning on having sex with someone you don't know very well or someone you met online, say on Tinder, it's a good idea to let a friend know where you are and when they can expect to hear from you. As with any new partner, it's also important to talk about sexual health consent and remember to have condoms and slasher dams on hand in case you do decide to have sex. Remember that having them available doesn't mean you have to have sex. It's a good idea to communicate this early on to the person if you don't want to have sex with them. Nine, what to do if, you, if you've had unsafe sex? If you've had sex without using a condom or if the condom breaks or comes off, don't panic. There are steps you can take to minimize your risk. STI tests can easily be performed by nurses and at sexual health clinics. The emergency contraceptive pill is around 85% successful in preventing unplanned pregnancy when used within 24 hours of having sex, but it can still be used for up to 96 hours, four days afterwards. However, its effectiveness drops over time, and by day five, it's only about 50% effective. 10. Become familiar with LGBTQIA plus friendly sexual health services. If you look for LGBTQIA plus friendly sexual health clinics, you can find support services here. They will be able to direct you to suitable clinics near you. DocList has a directory of doctors recommended by lesbian and bisexual women. All right. I thought it was my duty to tell that truth. Okay. Um, I'm glad I'm saying something. Glad I'm speaking out. Okay. Um, characteristics of sexually healthy adults. 
Download a copy of this document formatted for print, Characteristics of Sexual Health, the Adults PDF. From a holistic perspective, sexual health includes emotional, psychological, physical, intellectual, and spiritual dimensions. The following are characteristics of sexually healthy adults. However, sexual health is developed over a lifespan from cradle to grave, integrating sexuality into one's life in a balanced way as a lifetime endeavor. Communication. Interact with all genders, all sex characteristics, and all sexual orientations in appropriate and respectful ways. Communicate effectively with family and friends. Ask questions of other adults about sexual issues when necessary. Are able to communicate and negotiate sexual limits. Communicate respectfully their desires to have sex and not to have sex. Accept refusals of sex without hostility or feeling insulted. Can physically express feelings of attraction and desire in ways that do not focus on the genitals. Examples, holding, caressing, kissing, etc. Talk with the partner about sexual activity before it occurs, including limits, contraceptive, and condom use in meaning the relationship. Communicate with partners as their intentions for the relationship, for example, only dating, want marriage. Listen to respect others' boundaries and limits. Are sensitive to nonverbal cues of others' boundaries and limits. Relationships. Develop friendships that do not have an exploitative sexual agenda. Avoid exploitative relationships. Choose partners who are responsible, trustworthy, safe, and giving. Can be sexually intimate without being physical. Examples, talk about sexual feelings, verbally express attraction, do things that awaken desire in partner. Can express themselves in ways other than genitally. Examples are holding, caressing, kissing, etc. Take personal responsibility for their own boundaries. Self-esteem and self-worth. Appreciate their own bodies, are essentially aware and able to stay conscious in their bodies, can touch their own bodies without feeling shame or disgust, allow themselves to experience pleasurable sensual and sexual feelings, have the capacity to nurture themselves and others and accept nurturing from others, feel joy in sexual experiences of their choosing, know when they need touch rather than sex and try to get their needs for touch met appropriately, have a developed sense of self and understanding who they are, Enjoy sexual feelings without necessarily acting upon them. Accept refusals of sex without hostility or feeling personally insulted. Allow themselves to be vulnerable or comfortable with their sexual identity uh, and orientation or comfortable with their gender identity and orientation or comfortable with their sex characteristics. Are becoming aware of the impact of negative sexual experiences such as sexual abuse and the impact of negative cultural messages on their sexual development are taking steps to address issues that have arisen as a result of past experiences, feel confident in their ability to set appropriate boundaries, realize that by working through sexual issues, individuals may have hit individual, <laughs> slow down Antonio, realize that by working through sexual issues, individuals may heal psychological and emotional wounding from past experiences and damaging beliefs. Again, Realize that by working through sexual issues, individuals may heal psychological and emotional wounding from past experiences and damaging beliefs. Education. Realize the consequences of sexual activity. Comprehend the impact of media messages on thoughts, feelings, values, and behaviors related to sexuality. Understand that the drive for sex is powerful and can be integrated into one's life in positive and healthy ways. Respect the right of all people to enjoy and engage in the full range of consensual, non-exploitive sexual behaviors. Values. 
Decide on what is personally, quote unquote, right and act on these values. Demonstrate tolerance for people with different values and not threatened by others with sexual orientations, gender identities, sex characteristics different from theirs and diverse from theirs. Show respect to others whose cultural values, ethnic heritage, age, socioeconomic status, religion, and gender are different from theirs. Contraception, protection, and body integrity. Take responsibility for their own bodies and their own orgasms. If sexually active, use contraception effectively to avoid unplanned pregnancy. Use condoms and safer sex to avoid contracting or spreading a sexually transmitted. Slow down, Antonio. Contraception, protection, and body integrity. Take responsibility for their own bodies and their own orgasms. If sexually active, use contraception effectively to avoid unplanned pregnancy and use condoms and, and safer sex to avoid contracting or spreading a sexually transmitted disease. Practice health-promoting behaviors such as regular checkups, breast or testicular self-exams, regular and routine testing for STDs. Spirituality, honor the sacred aspect of sexual union. Understand that sexual energy is not separate from being human. Understand that sexual union is one way human beings connect body and soul. Sacred means honoring souls and bodies of people. And I am for the human rights, the civil rights, the political rights, the economic rights, the social rights, and the cultural rights of all non-sex workers and all sex workers. I have all of the characteristics of a sexually healthy adult because I am a sexually healthy adult. All right. Um, I think I am going to consider this to be part one. All right. This is part two. And I am a practitioner of safe sex and I'm a practitioner of safer sex. I do not have bareback sex, never have, never will. And I say that as a confirmed bachelor, as a confirmed bachelor by choice person, I mean to say, by my choice. And I'm a childless by my choice, petless by my choice kind of person. So that's why I said what I just said. Now, let me keep going. I'm going to now talk about menshealth.com. 26 foreplay tips to make sex even better. Sex and pleasure go far beyond penetrative sex. Here's how to rock your partner's socks off by Gigi Engel and the editors of MH April 21st, 2021. Foreplay isn't optional. It's not something that you can half-ass for two minutes before rushing into PNB or PNB sex. Instead, it's something you should take your time with to get both your partner and yourself in the mood. After all, you shouldn't be feigning excitement or mindlessly going through the motions just for your partner's sake. 
foreplay is something that should turn on everyone involved. Without foreplay, sex is equivalent to putting a frozen turkey in a 250-degree oven, explains Taylor Sparks, erotic educator and founder of Organic Lovin', one of the largest BIPOC-owned online intimacy shops. Now, what does BIPOC mean? It means Black, Indigenous, and people of color. Oh, it will defrost at some point and it will cook within the next four or five days. But why go that route when you can defrost and then warm it up the correct way at the correct temperature? Honestly, the term foreplay is a misnomer because it implies that what comes next, the actual play or intercourse is somehow better. But that's not the case. Most people with a vulva can't orgasm through penetration alone. They require clitoral stimulation in order to experience climax which happens when the external clitoral glands are engaged. The most reliable ways of doing this are not through penetration, but through oral hand or toy sex. That said, it's important to note that sex is not all about orgasming. It's about pleasure, and there's a difference. Foreplay is not the before part. Think of it as more play. It's a huge piece of this puzzle that deserves a better reputation than some optional quote-unquote pre-sex fun. In fact, penetrative sex doesn't even need to be on the table at all for sex to be sex. Sex is everything involving genitals or other body parts that bring someone sexual pleasure. We need to open our minds, people. Prioritizing intercourse is so over. Now to get the best more play tips, we spoke to various sex experts. Try one, two, or all of these tips and techniques the next time you start fooling around and watch some magic happen. One, ask your partner what turns them on. When in doubt, just come right out and ask what your partner likes during sex. Most, and I don't mean, and this is not meaning to be heteronormative or heterosexist or gender binary, um, Again, I want to say that I'm in full support of the LGBTQI plus community all around, publicly and privately. I'm LGBTQI plus friendly, meaning that I think that places, people, environments, and institutions should fully embrace the LGBTQI plus community, LGBTQI plus culture and LGBTQI plus relationships. Most people appreciate men who want to make sure they're satisfied, says Barbara Bartlick, MD, a professor of psychiatry at Cornell University. If they notice you're working hard to please them, they'll be more likely to return the favor. Communication is essential for good sex, no matter what kind of sex you're having. Being open and honest about your turn-ons and inviting your partner to do the same creates an erotic atmosphere that's both sexy and trusting. My partners and I ask each other what turns each other on. Number two, sex throughout the day. My partners and I, that's what we do. Foreplay doesn't simply start in the bedroom. It can start from the moment you wake up. 
Little Texas like can't wait to get naked with you tonight can get your partner excited before you even set foot in the same room. If sending nudes is something that turns you and your partner on, go ahead and swap some sexy photos with one another. Then you can text what you plan to do to their naked body. Sexting gets the fires going so early that by the time you're actually in bed, you'll be raring in capital letters to go. Three, add some temperature play into the mix. That's what I do personally. My partners too. Ice cubes and candles that double as massage oil are a fun and easy way to turn up the heat on your foreplay, explains Sophia Alexandra, co-host of the podcast Private Parts Unknown. Hold an ice cube between your teeth and draw it down your partner's body, Alexandra says. Or if you're more into heat like me, you can get candles involved. One of her college boyfriends and herself used to use just regular soy candles to drip wax on each other for a little BDSM fun. That said, a massage candle is a safer way to dip your toe into wax play if it's new to you. Drip high at first to cool the oil down before initial contact with skin and take your time slowly massaging it in for maximum pleasure, Alexandra says. You want your partner's body to buzz like a hive of murder hornets. Four, take your time removing articles of clothing. That's what myself and my partners do. More play is a marathon, not a sprint. Though if you are pressed for time, here are the best sex position for quickies. Instead of quickly stripping down, start by taking off their shirt. Wait a few minutes before you take off their pants and so on. You can then focus on that newly revealed body part with kisses and licks. After taking off your partner's pants, massage their legs. Once the top is gone, you can lick and gently suck on their nipples. Nipple play can be enjoyable for all genders. Five, get wet together. That's what myself and my partners do. If you've ever attempted to have sex in the shower in a body of water, you'll know that it's nearly impossible to thrust while your body is submerged in liquid. That's why Courtney Kokak, co-host of Private Parts Unknown, suggests using the tub as a means of foreplay. I feel like sexy fantasies that involve candlelit bubble baths or steamy showers are ingrained in us, Kokak says. Enjoy stripping down with your partner before you get in. Maybe set a playful tone by taking turns under dressing each other. Just make sure to keep the water hot. So you can stay in for a while and really explore the intimacy of touch. Six, give your partner strip tease. Myself and my partner? Of course we do that. In a similar vein, go ahead and give your partner a little strip tease. If you need inspiration, go always check out the SNL skit with Chris Farley and Patrick Swayze auditioning to be Chick Chippendale dancers. If you're a shite dancer, at least you'll come off as endearing. But if you do it in fact, but if you do in fact strip well, yes, my partner's not you strip well, your partner just might want to pounce on you. For your information, FYI, here's how to strip tease like a dancer and magic mic. Honestly, your partner is going to be turned on by you getting naked no matter how silly you feel. Sex isn't always serious. It can be playful and funny while still being very orgasmic. Seven, wear sexy underwear. Myself and my partner, we do that. Sexy underwear is for everyone. If you find the right fit, you can really turn your partner on. If you've never tried low 
rice briefs. We highly recommend them. More of a tidy whitey type. Rock on, my friend. Rock on, my friend. Whatever makes you feel like a true sexual icon is the right way to go. Psst. That might even mean going commando. Hey, give an erotic massage. Myself and my partners, we do that. If you're going to have penetrative sex, start by giving your partner an erotic massage that both relaxes and teases them. Prior to even touching them, you want to set the mood with lighting and music. We recommend soft lighting. Stay the hell away from fluorescence and then go ahead and whip out the massage oil. From there, you want to start massaging them. Start with arms, legs, back, etc. Relax their muscles before moving to sexier areas. Once they're really relaxed, that's when you start massaging those naughty bits. Nine. Focus on enjoying all of this good pleasure, pal. My partners and I, we do that. People get turned on by knowing their partner's having fun too. That's what makes sex in all its forms so hot. If you act as if you're just going through the motions to get to intercourse, you're going to notice and it'll take longer for them to get excited, says Michael Perry, PhD, a sex therapist in Encino, California. In other words, get into all your more play activities and enjoy them while you're doing them. If you like how your partner's calves feel, stroke them in appreciation. If you like their ass, kiss it. When a man is loving what he's doing, it's going to show through and turn them on too, says Perry. 10. Take it easy at first. No, yes, my partners and I, that's what we do. No matter your partner's genitals, it's important to start off slowly and gently. This is especially true if there is a clitoris involved. As wonderful as the clit, 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 clit is, it could be easily overstimulated if you rush right to it. Direct stimulation of the clitoris can actually be painful, says Kathy Winks, author of the Good Vibrations Guide to the G-Spot. It's much better to rub the clitoral hood where the tops of the labia meet, or to rub along the side of the clitoris than it is to go straight for the head of it. When playing with the clitoris during oral sex, Birch's advice is to take the focus on and off that super sensitive area. The clitoris reacts best to being teased. So you want to lick it and suck on it a little, build a little tension, then back off on it a bit before going at it again, she adds. When it comes to dicks, going right for it might not cause pain, but it will certainly cause increased pleasure if you take your time getting to oral or hand sex. Slow down, bucko. We're all here to have a good time. Now, if you're the kind of person that says penises or butt, that's what I was referencing. Um, because I say that because some people don't like to have their genitals referred to as what I just said. Um, and so I just wanted to uh, say that because some people don't like their body parts or bodies to be referred to as those kind of things. Um, 11. Expand your repertoire. My partners and I, that's what we do. There are plenty of ways to expand your oral sex repertoire, and you should always be looking to add new moves and mix things up. For starters, try lying perpendicular to their body and stroking their clitoris with your tongue in a horizontal motion. 
rather than up and down. They'll appreciate the change in stimulation, hopefully enough to return the favor. If your partner has a penis, try moving your mouth and hand in a circular twisting motion instead of just going up and down. Get your tongue in on the action and run it over the head. Oh, and don't forget the toys if you're considering some prostate action. Check out this guide on how to use anal toys during sex. Um, 12. Try the figure eight technique. My partner and I, that's what we do. The figure eight tongue technique is one of the most tried and true ways to get things going below the belt with vulva, owner, vulva owners. When you're down below, work the super sensitive area around the clitoris in a figure eight pattern. Arouse them with gentle sucking to the little button swells. Then carefully expose the area with your fingers. Use the slippery underside of your tongue to circle to the left and to the right. With the rougher top side of the tongue, flick from right to left and then up and down. Finally, work up to figure eights alternating between your tongue's smooth underside and firmer tip. Constantly vary the degrees of pressure you use. And this figure eight technique is not just for evolvers. If your partner has a penis and is into rimming, try running your tongue from the top of the perineum just under the balls, testicles, down around their anus and back up in a figure eight. Thirteen, explore their entire body, right? I explore the entire bodies of my partners and my partners explore my entire body. We explore, we explore each other's entire bodies in every which way. And by all means, in all directions. Don't just zero in on your partners as genitals. The body is filled with aerogenosomes like the neck, thighs, and breasts, or titties, if you will. Genitals are fascinating and fun, but try to spend some time focusing on your partner's entire body instead of going straight for her crotch. Or vagina or pussy. Says Casey Fuller, co-founder of Baltimore sex ed company Touch of Flavor. Try caressing, licking, or nibbling other aerogenosomes such as her neck, back, ears, belly, or wrists. 14. Don't overlook the rest of the vulva. Oft overlook as mere barriers to the vagina. The labia are packed with nerve endings and shouldn't be ignored. Hold each one between your thumb and forefinger and massage them working your way up and down. I do not overlook the rest of the vulva. Never have, never will. Or using all of your fingers and your palm gently smush the labia together, almost like you're gently kneading dough. You can also explore the mons pubis, the fleshy patch with their pubic hair lives, and carefully press your palm into it for a grounded, sexy feel. This motion can help relax the pelvic floor and engage the internal clitoris indirectly. 15. This is for people who are attracted to me. If your partner has a penis, there's a lot to explore. So my, so this is about my partner's um, feeling there's a lot to explore when it comes to me because I do have a penis. So this is how my partners feel. If your partner has a penis, don't ignore the perineum involved. 
Explore everything, lick everything, and enjoy. Don't be shy about being vulnerable or going beyond the quote-unquote usual sexual menu, no matter how casual the relationship. Foreplay is about enjoying the journey, unlocking new levels of pleasure along the way. Have fun by not taking yourself too seriously along the way. Vulnerability helps build intimacy with anyone and not just lovers, says Tiana Glittersaurus Rex, polyamorous educator and activist, co-founder of the Sex Work Survival Guide, nonprofit organization advocating for the rights and safety of sex workers. I love the Sex Work Survival Guide, and I'm so glad that they advocate for the rights and safety of sex workers. That is awesome. For tips on how to really enjoy analingus, check out our guide to eating ass. Um, 16, try a vibrator. Like it when, when I'm involved with the yak. A vibrator buzzing around your partner's aerogenesis can be just as stimulating, if not more than using your hands alone. Bring one in for the assist during foreplay, touching your partner everywhere. Run up and down the Libya, over the Mons, the inner thighs, and around the clitoris. The clit. I have such a hot sex life with my vibrator, so if you want to get me turned on, quote unquote, instantly, just tell me to grab my toy and enthusiastically ask me to show you what I do with it, Kokak says. You can take over its operation yourself. Try one of men's health best sex toys of the year, the Lawan Massager. You can also use vibrators on balls, the tip of the dick, and on the perineum. Vibrators are for all body parts. If your partner has a prostate, you can get a vibrating prostate massager that can really take things to the next level. Check out our top prostate massagers here. 17. Try other fun sex toys. My partner's not using sex toys. Not all toys vibrate. There's so many to choose from. It's kind of mind-blowing. For instance, you can try a sucking toy such as the Satisfier Womanizer, a rotation toy like the Zumio. Check out our guide to all the different types of vibrators and non-vibrators here. These alternatives can be fabulous for people who aren't huge fans of vibration. Having fun choosing which toys to use during sex by communicating and figuring out what works for both of you. Remember, toys are not gender-specific. You can even go shopping together online and choose some fun things to try together. Ooh. 18. Mix in some BDSM. My partner's not. That's what we do. BDSM can be a very fun way to explore dominance and submission in the bedroom and all the other sexual settings that my partners and I fuck, love, make, and have sex. Because the bedroom is not our only sexual setting. Wink. Before trying this play, you'll need to be very clear about your boundaries and limits and be able to have an honest and open conversation with your partner so you both feel safe. If getting spanked, choked, whatever turns you on like nobody's business, then you owe it to yourself to get that conversation started ASAP. I liked being spanked. I like spanking women. I like being choked without pain, without strangulation. And women involved with they like being choked without pain and without strangulate without strangulation either. Plus, it might lead to other sexy convos about things each of you would like to try, and you can start building a mutual fantasy together. Check out this guide to effective communication in BDSM for more information on having these discussions. One of the easiest way to play BDSM is some erotic spanking. Again, I, women, partners, and myself, that's our thing. Um, 19. 
engage all the senses. Indeed, my partners and I do. There's a lot more to sex than orgasms. Sensory play is absolutely incredible. This means tapping into touch, smell, taste, sound, and sight. Be mindful of lighting, scents in the room, and music playing in the background, says Glitterosaurus Rex. Now I'm going to say something real quick. We do play love We do play love making music. We do have fruity and juicy scents in our rooms, and our lighting is just perfect. Feed each other bite-sized food like fruit and bears with chocolate. You can eye gaze, lick each other's fingers, or place the food on other parts of the body to nibble on. Oh, we do that. We do that. This might include some gear, too. This kit from Lilo is perfect for a sexy foreplay scene. As a feather teaser, silk blindfold, and a couple's vibrator. Personally, those are awesome to me. Says Kenneth Play, an international educator and creator of the Sex Hacker Pro Series. Sensory deprivation, sensation, G-spot, clitoral stimulation are such a delicious combo together. From personal experience, I know exactly what I'm talking about. When you add a luxurious feel to this, it makes the experience decadent and indulgent, which brings you towards focusing on your senses and being in the moment. 20, get good talking dirty. That's one of the reasons why my partners like me. And that's one of the reasons why I like my partners. Dirty talk is super hot. Here's a guide to doing it well, including specific scripts to help you get the ball rolling, pun intended. If you want to get them hot and bothered, brush your lips against their ear and whisper what you want to do to them, says Ryan. Do you first sex and relationships write an author of 101 Ways to Rock Online Dating? Be slow, deliberate, and as dirty as possible. My pinky swear promise I'm all yours. Work in some stealth eye contact and oh my god. G-A-W-D. 21. Check with your partner regularly. My partner tonight is what we do. Check in every so often be sure you're both having fun and feel safe. Everybody is different, so make sure you're able to read how they respond to what you're doing. It shouldn't be hard to tell what's working and to then use this information to keep a good thing going. If they wince when you talk dirty, move on to your next place, says relationship expert April Massini. Or if they're really into making out on the sofa, don't try to move it to the bedroom. Enthusiastic consent and full-on enjoyment are a must for everyone. 22. Pay attention to how we feel. My partner's not us what we do. If you're worried about getting off to er if you're worried about getting off too early during intercourse, try becoming more aware of your pre-orgasmic sensations. Most men in penis honors only recognize that last no turning back feeling that occurs just before ejaculation, says David Copeland, author of How to Succeed with Women. By then it's too late to do anything about it. Try to become familiar with the two or three more subtle sensations that precede that one that you can slow down at the right time. When it comes to your emotions, listen to them closely. Don't forget to communicate and advocate for yourself. Remember, we're all here to enjoy each other's bodies and have lots of pleasure. If something's making you feel uncomfortable or strange, stop what you're doing and take a beat. You can simply say, babe, I'm feeling a little strange. Can we just cuddle for a while? I have cuddle buddies and I also have snuggle buddies. 23, don't forget about kissing. Oh, I never do. My partners never do either. Women get their greatest erotic pleasure from frequent, passionate kissing. 
I'm a frequent, passionate Christian myself. Said, I am. But let me repeat what Patty Britton says, PhD clinical sexologist. Uh, women get their greatest erotic pleasure from frequent, passionate kissing, says Patty Britton, PhD clinical se sexologist and author of the art of sex coaching, expanding your practice. If you get the sense that she's starting to lose interest, kissing is always the best way to bring her back into it. Just remember that passionate kissing does always mean frantically swabbing your partners as tonsils. Try to mix up your tongue play with the occasional closed mouth kiss on their nose, eyes, and forehead. 24 create rituals together, my partners, and that is what we do. Connecting intimately with a partner can become easier when you put some weight behind it. This can mean creating special loving rituals together in a way that brings you out of a stressful state and into a sexy one. Changing clothes, drinking some tea or a glass of wine together or any other ritual that works for you all help you switch modes, play says. Your rituals will be unique to you and won't follow a set script. It can be helpful to sit down and connect intimately with your partner to start. Co-create a special more play menu where you discuss all the things that make you feel sexy. Then take it from there. 25 use words of encouragement, my partner. That is what we do. When your partner takes on the role of initiator and you're into it, be sure to let them know how turned on that makes you. We can all use some words of affirmation here and there. When we know we're going to be met with praise and we're likely initiating the future. Tell them how you loved how they got things going, how you love them to do that more in the future. When we feel rejected, we get a message that it's unsafe or wrong to initiate sex. So letting your partner know is awesome will encourage them to improve sexual self-esteem, which, which is very necessary for everyone to have an orgasm. By the way, I have healthy sexual self-esteem in my partners due to and my partners are frequent passionate kisses as well. Lastly, 26, you can skip foreplay occasionally if you're both down, if all the parties involved. This is for the casual and the non-monogamous, not just the monogamous and the committed, okay? Everything I'm saying about sex. All right, in relationships too. It's perfectly all right to occasionally skip foreplay if you both want to jump right into intercourse. Sex is a co-creative experience and you can choose your own adventure. Just be sure everyone is 100% here for this journey. When you're, when you're both creating a larger sexual context in your relationship, you're basically operating in that state of foreplay all the time, says psychologist and relationship therapist Tracy Thomas, PhD. If you've been together for a while, you should know them well enough to know when it's okay to jump straight to the main event. I, my partners and I, we do skip foreplay occasionally because we're, we're down for that at times. So every word in this article that I just read to you is true for myself and my partners when it comes to our relationship and our sex life together. Okay, Yahoo Lifestyle. Yes, there are actual sex benefits to reading erotica. It's everything you need to know. Carla DiGaldo, December 7, 2020, 4.59 p.m. The topics of female masturbation and sexual pleasure remain taboo for many, which is precisely why we should keep discussing it. Men may talk about masturbating to porn more often, but Pornhub's 2009 statistics show that their female visitors are increasing. 
while there are more female-focused adult sites out there than ever before, emotional depth, character development, and palpable sexual tension in erotic novels still are highly desired. Some people prefer erotic novels. There's usually more context and story, and you can use your imagination more to make it work for you, says Lucy Rowett, clinical sexologist and intimacy coach. Just like published novels in any other genre, erotic novels are a great storytelling medium. Erotic literature has existed since the 17th century, but thanks to the growth of electronic books in the last decade, the genre has advanced as readers found a more discreet way of indulging in their choice of reading material. Benefits of reading erotica stories, they allow you to explore interest in sexuality in a safe place, in a safe space. The fictional world of erotica gives you the freedom to explore and enjoy your fantasies. You can choose novels that include the kinks you want to fantasize about and discover those that you might never have heard of. You are feeding your erotic imagination so that you are opening your mind to new erotica possibilities, says Dr. Stephanie Bowler, licensed psychologist, sex therapist, explains. You can also experience new sexual desires through the eyes of the protagonist before trying it out with a partner. They can improve your relationship with your partner and their partner. Reading erotic novels helps you to find out more of what you want and be able to communicate that to your partner, Rowett says. She believes that erotica can strengthen relationships as readers learn how to articulate their desires better. Bringing up a steamy scene that you particularly like and talking about it with your partner and her partners can inspire some new moves in the bedroom. This comes in handy when you're uncomfortable improvising with cliche scenarios like cop and robber, patient and doctor and the like. Reenacting whatever it is that turns you on can be extremely satisfying for our partners involved. They can increase your libido and desire for intimacy. Masturbating and having sex may be overwhelming when you're blocked by stress or the pressure to perform. Reading sexually explicit material can take some weight off your shoulders as you get absorbed in the plot. Your libido and desire for partner sex increases, which could be the missing ingredient if your sex life has ground to a halt, Rowett says. Some medications also dampen the libido and orgasmic response as an unwanted side effect, but all hope is not lost. Many people on antidepressants report an increase in libido and desire to reading erotica, she says. They can reduce your stress and anxiety. According to a 1974 psychological study, the body's physical response to stress and anxiety shares some similarities to that of sexual arousal. Readers can use this phenomenon of mis- attribution of arousal to their advantage by reading erotica, which interrupts negative emotions and reframes them to more positive ones. The aphrodisiac of being turned on also brings much needed relief and peace of mind, especially when it leads to masturbation. If someone is aroused enough to have an orgasm, then all the benefits that then there are all the benefits that go along with it, Dr. Bueller says. They can help you reclaim and own your pleasure. Although sex is becoming less of a taboo topic nowadays, stigma still surrounds it. Erotic novels can help readers reclaim desire and shed the feeling of shame connected to sex. You're affirming to yourself that your pleasure matters and you are a sexual erotic being, Rowett says. Because reading erotica feature erotic imagination, your self-worth increases and you affirm to yourself that you're worthy of having pleasure. There's so much... To erotic in the Fifty Shades of Grace, so take the time to find one that hits the right spots. If you don't know where to start, here's some recommendations. Erotic fiction worth reading. One, Sugar Daddies by Jade West. Hello Giggles, available to Amazon. When life gave Katie a financial roadblock, she found herself looking for solutions on the Sugar Daddy website. She never could have guessed how much her life would change after meeting Carl and Rick. 
more than just a polyamorous erotic romance, Sugar Daddies is an emotional story about overcoming whatever life throws at you. Two, Twisted Perfection by Abby Glines. Hello Giggles, available at Amazon. Della wasn't one for one-night stands until she came across a sexy, helpful stranger one fateful day. She never expected to see him again, but much to their surprise, he happens to be her new boss. Did they really have a connection where they just imagined it? Find out how two broken people deal with their past and face their present in Twisted Perfection. Three, Wall Banger by Alice Clayton. Hello Giggles, available at Amazon. There's one thing Caroline didn't know before she moved into a new San Francisco apartment. The walls are extremely thin. After facing many sleep-deprived and sexually frustrated nights thanks to her neighbors and loud sex debates, she finally confronts him. Thus begins a hilarious, fiery, and sweet connection between Caroline and her wall-banger neighbor, Simon. Four, Just a Bit Twisted by Alessandra Hazard. Hello, Giggles, available Amazon. As a working student trying to provide for his younger sisters, Sean starts falling behind in his classes. At the risk of losing scholarship, he strikes a deal with Derek Rutledge. However, the agreement becomes so much more than what they expected. Those who seek an addictive romance will find that it's just a bit twisted exactly what they're looking for. Okay. I am a fan of erotica. I truly am. I've been a fan of erotica by the time I was indeed a college student. So erotica is in a broad sense any literary or artistic work that deals substantively with subject matter that is erotically stimulating or sexually arousing but in a strict sense is not generally considered to be pornographic. Erotic art may use any artistic form to depict erotic content, including painting, sculpture, drama, film, or music. Erotic literature and erotic photography have become genres in their own right. Periosis, erotic and pornography as discrete collectible items that usually in published or printed form in the antiquarian book trade. Pornographic works are often listed under Coriosa, erotica, or face type. So I personally enjoy erotica. I enjoy erotic art. I enjoy erotic paintings. I enjoy erotic sculptures. I enjoy erotic dramas. I enjoy erotic films. I enjoy erotic films and I enjoy erotic music. I enjoy erotic literature and erotic photography. I love erotica and the erotic of all types. I do. I love curiosity. Personally, I enjoy that as well. And let's see, I masturbate and I have indeed sexual pleasure. Um, I love erotic novels personally. Um, and so on to read some things. Um, People always debate whether porn is healthy or not. Erotica is often viewed through the same scrutinizing lens. Still, there's nothing wrong with reading erotic novels, and you have lots more to gain from it than just pleasure, the many benefits that it provides. Um, erotic literature has existed in the 17th century, but thanks to the growth of electronic books in the last decade, the genre has advanced as readers found a more discreet way of indulging in their 
choice of reading materials. Some people prefer erotic novels. There's usually more context and story. You can use your imagination more to make it work for you, says Lucy Roy, clinical sexologist, intimacy coach. Just like published novels in other genre, erotic novels are a great fertility medium. All right. So reading erotic stories allows me to explore my interests and my sexuality in safe spaces. I improve my relationships with my partners. I increase my libido and my desire for intimacy. I reduce my stress and my anxiety. I, erotica helps me reclaim and own my pleasure. And my partners and I give each other full body orgasms. We orgasm quite efficiently. Permission by Krista Kujak. Permission body intelligence. Why the difference between sensuality and sexuality matters. Ever thought about how your sensuality and sexuality are different? Sensuality and sexuality are often lumped into the same category, but there are two very different qualities with unique capacities that contribute to our well-being in different ways. Sensual is not always sexual, and sexual is not always sensual. Sensuality is essentially our ability to feel pleasurable sensation through our senses of touch, scent, taste, sight, and sound. Savoring decadent foods, feeling the texture of grass against bare feet, enjoying sensual caresses from a lover. These sexual experiences are pleasurable, but they may or may not be connected to an erotic or sexual turn-on. Sensuality is an incredibly healing force because it's the bridge that connects the quadrinity of ourselves, mental, emotional, physical, and consciousness. While being in tune with our sensuality can connect us to our primal sexuality. Sensuality opens a powerful gateway to experiencing our raw emotions, access to which allows us to feel deeply connected to ourselves and others. By the way, my partners and I, we have, a, we have primal sexuality. We have sensuality and sexuality too. And we have raw emotions and we're deeply connected to each other. Recognizing sensuality as a con as a connection to these powerful parts of ourselves is where there's a practice, because it's not only a self because it's not only a self regulating way to release negative ways we try to control that hold us back from joy, but it's also life affirming by validating the deservedness to feel pleasure fully not only in our bodies but in our psyches. Goal oriented sexuality can block sensuality. Without the practice deliberately witnessing sensations in our bodies. We can fall into the habit of using our bodies as utilitarian, goal-oriented machines. Our relationship to our bodies becomes more about achieving our goals, like going to the gym obsessively with the goal of losing weight in order to feel good in our bodies, as opposed to experiencing the pleasure and joy of our bodies, even if we're doing something mundane. While sexuality and sensuality both can serve up loads of pleasure and joy in our lives, sexuality is distinct from sensuality because of its physiological link to procreation life-giving energy. It can connect us to feeling alive and energized in our own skin. Sexuality includes feeling aroused, turned on, horny, and a physical desire for sexual stimulation. However, we can easily be numbed out or dissociated while having sex. In fact, women can have sex without being turned on. It's easy to see how we can also experience sex without sensuality. 
is the same difference between rubbing soap on our bodies to get clean, rubbing soap on our bodies to luxuriate in the scent and texture of soap gliding over our skin. Similarly, without being focused on our senses, sex lacks more subtle and sublime pressure and it reduces rather than strengthens emotional connection. A person can be tapped into their sexual energy, feel their sex drive, which can include erotic fantasy, which I do have, but they might not be present with their sensuality at all. I'm sure many of us can relate to the experience at least once in our lives of sex feeling empty. Have you ever felt like the buttons on your body were being pushed and prodded to get a desired response? This type of body connection is that achieving a goal, for example, getting you wet or hard, misses the bliss of sensation from one moment to the next. When the connection to sensuality is missing in sex, as most porn portrays, the experience of pleasure is limited to a physical sexual release and bypasses the differently satisfying spiritual and emotional states of ecstasy. Being connected to our sensuality helps us to feel fulfilled in life as well to experience blissful sex. I do experience blissful sex. It is possible to learn how to reprogram your central nervous system so that you literally feel more and more with less and less stimulation. You can train your body to become multi-orgasmic. I am multi-orgasmic, by the way. My partner, Steve. Simply by learning how to relax and wake up to more erotic films throughout your body, Christian, Christian Northrop, MD, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. Three, how can you reprogram your nervous system with your essential experiences so you can feel more fulfilled, not just by eroticism, but by life? Three keys to practicing central connection. One, practice focusing on the sensations you're experiencing either during sex, self-pleasuring, pleasurable movement, or any other pleasurable experience. Notice each sensation without judgment. This will get you out of your head and into your body so your body can receive the experience. You can train your mind to focus on the moments of sensation instead of bouncing around the judgments about yourself or what's happening. Two, let yourself feel your emotions while breathing deeply during any pleasurable activity including sex so many emotions are held in the pelvis hips ass and pussy vagina while stimulating these areas with pleasure you have the opportunity to release emotional tension and open to receive more pleasure this frees you to be more authentically connected to emotional truth in yourself and allows you to then express your emotions more truthfully, either with touch or with words to your lover. By the way, ass, buttocks, and same. Um, you can practice releasing emotions by engaging in deep, connected breathing while focusing on the part of your body that feels either intense sensation or tense. The best way is to lie down so your body feels completely supported and close your eyes so that all of your attention can be focused on the part of your body that feels constricted. When you breathe into the center of that sensation while putting your hand on that part of your body, often emotions will come to the surface. Keep your mind focused on your breath as you allow emotions to bubble to the surface. It helps not to judge these emotions as good or bad so they have an outlet to be safely released. Three, give yourself permission to receive more pleasure. We often limit ourselves to what we think our bodies are capable of or what we've been able to experience in the past which can easily lead our bodies to physically shut down. A powerful way to keep out of judgment and open the body to more pleasure is to repeat this phrase while keeping your mind focused on physical sensations. I deserve, more, I deserve to receive pleasure. 
This gives you permission to focus inwardly and feel worthy of pleasure without it being dependent on any conditions like pleasing your partner or reaching an orgasm. Most importantly, it invites more relaxation into your body and can often free belief patterns that you may hold unconsciously about not being worthy or deserving of pleasure. Scientific research has proven that the coding in our bodies and psyches is passed on through generations. For example, mice who were trained to associate the smell of cherry blossoms with mild shock passed their antipathy for cherry blossom to their offspring which had never encountered the, who had never encountered the flower. Cited by Brian G. Dias and Carrie G. Ressler, published by Nature Neuroscience. So, if we, so even if we resolve in our minds that we don't want to hold back our sexual or sensual expression, if there is fear of other associations with sex that have been passed down in the neural programming in our bodies. For example, that sex and pleasure is sinful or shameful, our bodies will shut down from pleasure unless we consciously invite pleasure in. By repeating this deliberate affirmation, I deserve to receive pleasure while connecting to your breath and senses. You not only reach more potent levels of primal sexual energy, you could be more true to yourself emotionally, have the opportunity to express your sexuality more fully and consciously. What if your sensual pleasures were so fulfilling that sexual pleasure was one of the many results that come with being deeply satisfied moment to moment? To learn more about connecting your sexual pleasure to your sexual erotic essence, Check out Unleash Your Sacred Sex, a course to fall in love with your sexual expression, Crystal Pujak. So I practice all of the three keys to practicing sensual connection. That's what I do the three keys to practicing sensual connection. Yes, that is true. I do do that. I deserve to receive pleasure. I feel that way. I give myself permission to receive I give myself permission to receive more pleasure. I feel that way. I let myself feel my emotions while breathing deeply during any pleasure activity, including sex that I am completely engaged in all of the above. I, I let myself feel those emotions. And two, I and lastly I practice focusing on the sensations I'm experiencing either during sex, myself pleasuring, my pleasurable move movements theirs or their self-pleasuring and the other pleasurable experience while it's happening that is what i do and i do have primal sexual energy and i do have an erotic essence So, sensual versus sexual, do you know the difference? T.T. Wellington, November 7, 2020. When we talk about sex, we often bring up the idea of sensuality. But, but do people really know what it means in that, in that there's actual difference between being sexual and that there's actually a difference between being sensual and being sexual. Not necessarily according to Dr. Shannon Chavez, licensed psychologist and KY sex therapist, who says we generally confuse the two because of messages we get from the media that use these terms interchangeably or describe sensuality as a light version of sexuality. 
to get some clarity on this, I interviewed Shab Shabrez about the difference between sensuality and sexuality, why both are an important part of our lives. The main difference is that sensual can be a form of pleasure without being connected to a sexual turn-on or erotic state. How would you define sexual and sensual? What would you say are the differences between the two? Sexual refers to what we do sexually, including our behavior, thoughts, and feelings regarding sex. It involves our erotic nature and expression of sexuality, nudity, stimulation with genitals, and sexual responsiveness, including excitement, arousal, and orgasm. Sensual refers to engaging the senses, sight, sound, taste, smell, and touch as a way to experience pleasure and taking information from our environment. The main difference is that sensual can be a form of pleasure without being connected to a sexual turn-on or erotic state. Sensual has no goals where sexual often refers to the stages of sexual responsiveness, which can feel more biological and goal-oriented, that is general response to stimulation, orgasm, and release. However, both are ways to seek pleasure and experience arousal. Sexual arousal is a response to sexual stimuli, whereas sensual arousal is engaging the senses and evoking different emotional states using our senses. I encourage people to find their sexual desires and interests through sensual exploration. Do we need both sexuality and sensuality in our relationships? It is, it is essential for every relationship to have both. I encourage people to find their sensual desires and interests through sex. I encourage people to find their sexual desires and interests through sensual exploration. There's a lot of shame around sexuality. Therefore, sensuality tends to be an easier way to explore pleasure without the stigma and shame associated with sexual norms and beliefs. If someone is not a sensual person, what would you recommend to help them become more essential? Start with touch as a form of nonverbal communication. We pick up information from our environment. We pick up information from our environment through touch. Engage the senses during normal activities such as eating, grooming, and self-care. Using these activities to find pleasure and take your time and be mindful. So I want to um, see my last one, essential and sexual. Uh, Ideva.com, sexual or sensual is a difference between the two. Uh, Prashi Gangwani. Let's get straight to the point. Sexual relates to sex, the act of sex, and everything directly leading up to it. Sensual relates to the senses, and it's about gratifying the appetite for visual sounds, tastes, smells, and touch. One could be sexy without being sensual, but sensuality always makes one desirable. The difference between the two is the same as the difference between fucking and making love. The former is focused on one thing, the latter is indulging. Sexuality is visceral, blatant, or a biological manifestation. Sensuality is whole, consuming, and personal. Everyone is sexual in the same way. Nudity, the stimulation of the organs, arouse orgasm. The body follows the same process of release. But no two people are sensual in the same way. It's not about how high the cheekbones sit or how the person looks at you from under their lashes. It's about how one moves their body. It's about how one modulates their voice. It's in the soft touch, the flick of the hair, the way one sits, stands, walks. It is not stated in words. One doesn't say they feel sensual, you live it. Sexual is a state of mind. 
Sensual is a state of being. Sensuality is the art of seduction that doesn't need to lead to sex. While sexuality comes from a physical desire for sex, sensuality comes from a physical, emotional, spiritual desire for pleasure and everything. One can switch their sexual side on and off, but it doesn't work like that with sensuality. Often sensuality and sexuality are confused because sensuality is inherently desirable and desirous. It reeks of a love for all things and love for oneself. And if that isn't irresistible, then what is? All right. I'm not going to rush anything at all. Daily.com. 11 unexpected benefits of watching porn. Honestly, guys and gals and gender sex diversity, you could learn a thing or two. E.J. Dixon, Kristen Hubby, Nico Lang. Pub July 8, 2014, July 16, 2020, 10 09 p.m. CDT time. Updated. That was last time it was updated. On the internet, it's easier to find a screed about why you need to give up porn or why it's ruining our kids, our relationships, and our lives than it is to read about potential benefits of porn. You can blame almost anything on porn from the shortening of our attention spans to the rising divorce rates. Most recently, Representative Diane Black, a Republican from Tennessee, called pornography a root cause of school shootings. While pornography won't be carrying cancer anytime soon, it isn't always as bad as the anti-porn frenzy will suggest the Internet's version of reefer madness and, in fact, comes with surprising benefits for porn users. While we've all covered the very real dangers of porn addiction, it's worth in discussing its benefits. To defend porn against its critics, the three porn enthusiasts from the Daily Dots, past and present, E.J. Dixon, Nico Lang, and Kristen Hubby, are here to tell you some of the benefits of porn. The benefits of watching porn. One, because it's healthy. Despite the many, many, many studies claiming that porn is bad for your brain and your relationships, there are just as many studies saying that porn does not cause irrevocable harm to the brain or your sex life. In fact, it might even be kind of good for you. In a paper from 2008, two Danish researchers, Gert Hald and Neil Malamuth, concluded from a survey of 688 Danish adults that porn did not yield any negative mental or health effects. In fact, the researchers found a positive correlation between the subjects' porn viewing and increased sexual satisfaction, as well as self-reported benefits in other areas of their lives. And as for the old chestnut that too much porn viewing can lead to addiction, the consistency is still pretty split on that one, but some sex researchers like Dr. Lauren Cole, Weston, believe it's important to differentiate between an addiction and a compulsion, in the same vein as compulsive nail-biting. People who say pornography is an addiction, they tend to come from the addiction community, not always the field of mental health or sexuality. Weston told me a few months ago, they tend to say this is dangerous, porn is fraught with danger, you better watch out the slippery slope. It was sort of the same as people in the drug addiction community saying if you smoke pot, you better watch out or you'll be doing heroin. Translation, porn is probably not 
gonna send you on the street. Muttering to yourself about alien satellites and your brain with needles in both your arms. Anything, the only thing it'll probably do is make your arm a little buffer, E.J. Dixon. Too, because sometimes it's better than the real thing. Some nights you wanna get dolled up, put on a freakum dress, and pretend to be someone who does not eat food out of the garbage long enough to trick a guy into having sex with you, but you don't always want to put in the kind of effort that involves changing out of your pajama pants. In lieu of being able to have sex with your new flick subscription, in which case no one would ever leave the house, free internet porn is the next best thing. Those who are anti-porn might suggest that you use your one sometime to create your own erotic fantasy escaping to the vast blue lagoon-like garden of your sexual imagination but that's not really the point of pornography porn is great for when you want your fantasies created for you because let's be honest we're not always that creative for someone who writes for a living my erotic reveries are shockingly dull displaying all the playful imagination of a golf match you can only picture george clooney being bent over a table so many times before you beg to change the channel Sorry, G. Clue. I don't think pornography is a replacement for the real thing, but research has shown that having a healthy masturbation schedule actually makes us better sex partners and partners in general. While being good for your physical and mental health, as EJ mentioned, it's a way to continue making sure that your own sexual needs are being met outside of the bedroom, which is likely why it's so common, even for those in relationships. Surveys show that anywhere from 70 to 95% of adult men and women get it on alone. And yes, that includes being, and yes, that includes people involved in monogamous relationships. Wrote the Friskies, Aaron Fathardy. According to Kinsey research, 40% of men and 30% of women in relationships masturbate. A survey of Playboy readers found 72% of married men masturbate in a similar Red Book survey found 68% of married women do it too. As Flaherty argues, watching porn in a relationship isn't cheating. Just like watching it when you're single doesn't make you immoral or perpetuate our singledom. It's a necessary part of self-love. Besides, if you're worried that porn might be ruining your sex capades or, or your relationships, perhaps they weren't that good to begin with, Nico Lang. Nico Lang. Three, because of relief stress. Life can be stressful, and from my experience, owning a stress ball does not make the complicated twists and turns any easier to deal with. Sure, practicing a few down dogs and cobras may have helped me find my center, but just like sex, porn decreases stress as well. When you are stressed, your brain releases cortisol that blocks problem solving and the ability to think clearly. In a study conducted by Carnegie Mellon University, men who flip through pictures of naked women cut their cortisol in half did a lot better on a math test. Cool, right? Women also experience a decrease in cortisol, and over 85% of women say they watch porn to escape reality. 23% of them say it also relieves their stress. Watching porn is successful, and it's okay to end a very stressful day in the comfort of your own home. You're a little erotic if you feel like it, Kristen Huffy. Four, because it's hilarious. This is the writer talking. I don't watch porn often with my boyfriend, mostly because we have wildly divergent taste he likes 10 minute sloppy blowjob clips i'm a fan of narrative driven vintage content particularly in the if the term x-rated musical fantasy is somewhere in the title but when we do we tend to focus less on the action on screen and more of what's going on in the background for instance why is there a long-haired maine coon at the living room orgy 
Did he receive an invitation or is he merely an impartial observer? We're not the only people who discuss the presence of cats in porno too. If the tumbler different cats in amateur porn is only indication. Why does the same Carl Stad white chase sectional appear in literally every gay porn sh every gay porn she's ever watched? This is her and her boyfriend, by the way, the writer. Did every gay porn producer get together and decide to do a run on IKEA? Why do lady porn stars' voices always crack like that of a goddamn bar mitzvah's boy when they're trying to talk dirty? By saying that porn is funny, I'm not trying to denigrate porn and the people who make it. I'm saying that porn is funny because sex in general with its unanticipated noises and body fluids and ridiculous O faces, orgasm faces, are funny. The fact that there's an added level of artifice to porn makes it even funnier. Even if you can't get into porn itself, you can at least get into the Ron Swanson-esque expression on the main coon's face as he watches his cam girl on her get to town herself with a drill dough. And besides, research shows that laughter is an aphrodisiac. So even if you guys are busy chuckling over the future green giant-sized bush on that 70s milf porn star it's dollars to donuts if you keep watching you won't be laughing very long because you'll be fucking you know in case that wasn't like clear ed and uh five because it could benefit your relationship watching porn with your partner can open both of your minds to new sexual possibilities her last long-term boyfriend and herself did not watch porn together. And once that ended, thank God, according to her, she found someone she felt more comfortable enough with, making it easier to communicate and have confidence in her sex capade, their sex capades together. A lot of porn skis realistic expectations, but as long as you and your partner set practical guidelines and boundaries, both parties are bound to be satisfied. From the study conducted by Ann Summers, 58% of women who say they watch porn with their significant other said it positively affected their sex life because it's a safe space to ask for what they want. When both parties are sexually confident in their relationship, they're probably more committed, less likely to stray, unless the emotional connection isn't there. That's a different story, KH. Six, because exploring a sexuality is how you find out what you like. There's reason that the first step in every queer man's coming out process is looking at pornography. Unless you're exposed to sexual practices outside of what you've been told is acceptable, it's hard to become comfortable with your own desires and normalize them in your brain. Just as sex ed is how we find out about the mechanics of sex, what goes where, pornography is how many of us begin to figure out how that relates to our sexualities. Pornography is not an ideal replacement for sex ed because if you think bait bus is realistic, you're in for a world of hurt, but it's an excellent education as to what's out there for you to explore. This isn't just true for gay men. Porn allows all users a safe space to work out for goodies they might be uncomfortable elsewhere, like um, sleep porn or consensual uh, role play. Um, Porn meaning consensual, um, 
role playing, great fantasies, and I say it that way. I'm not talking about the sex crime, I'm talking about the sexual role play. Some people have their taking advantage of an existential relationship. I'm talking about that kind of porn. There's not always an opportunity in daily life for a prime on the wide world of tentacle erotica and finding these resources for ourselves is how many of us become exposed to them. How else would people in the BDSM and Levy communities have figured out that's what they were into without some hot muscle bear action to help show them the way? This is the writer again. Even for those who find themselves entrenched in the niche community, porn can be a way to continue to explore your sexual horizons and re-educate your desires. Sex researcher and blogger Jeremy Wu used internet porn to explore the world of who he has been taught to find attractive in his in his voice essay, The Gandhi School of Hookups, the Chinese Canadian writer describes the process of actively exploring men with a plethora of races like being a kid who suddenly realizes that the candy shop span blocks. We all know that porn is a profoundly racist institution, but so is online dating and all dating for that matter. More we more to break down limitations in ourselves, the more we make the world a better place for our wanking and non-wanking needs to know. Seven, because watching porn may decrease in aggressive tendencies. Anger causes us to do things we normally wouldn't do, like yell at a server because your favorite restaurant isn't selling the duck confit you've been craving all week. If porn reduces stress, it should also have a correlation to reduce aggressive tendencies. Contrary to the belief that porn causes people to be sexist or commit violent crimes, Watching a moderate amount of porn may actually decrease the likelihood of someone committing a sex crime. It's a controversial idea, one that's been researched a lot. In a popular study in the archives of sexual data found that watch pornography offers a safe place to express sexual deviant desires cage. That's a tough one for me um, because I hate all sex crimes. And even on pro porn, um, I don't like unhealthy deviant desires as long as it's in like consensual role play and everybody's of age and no one's hurt. I mean, I'd rather take that personally. Hey, because honestly, guys, you could probs learn a thing or two. Let's just get this out of the way. Porn is by no means an instruction manual for how to have sex IRL. It's a fantasy and sometimes it's a very silly one. No one, at least very few people, enjoys having sex the way people have sex with porn. No one, or at least very few people, is turned up by spitting into a butt, ass, or gagging on a penis, dick, or washing their face with baby bat or any of the other porn tropes that lead anti-porn activists to conclude that porn is always dangerous and destructive to women. Just because something's gross to you doesn't mean that no one is into it. Just because you've seen a few things in porn that you wouldn't do in your own sex life doesn't mean there are zero benefits of porn for regular viewers. The fact is, regardless of whether you think you're the ice, it's hack perlman of having sex, you probably aren't. You're probably just okay at it. This is Byron concert violinists learn how to batter their craft by watching perlman play. Your own sexual repertoire could similarly benefit from watching an adult performer whose skills you respect and admire. Porn can also help jumpstart you 
Corner can also help jumpstart your know-how when it comes to better pleasing yourself. If you masturbate semi-regularly, chances are you know enough about yourself and what you like to be able to ask for it and what you like to be able to ask for in a day. Ultimately, this will lead to a much more satisfying sex life, whether alone with a partner, E.D. I'm going to finish these and I'm going to wrap up for tonight. And it's early morning, actually. Nine, watching porn may increase your libido. Although past studies and speculation say that watching porn decreases your chances of being turned on by your partner, IRL, it may cause a sexual dysfunction. New research suggests otherwise. A 2015 study conducted by the University of California found a positive correlation between porn and man's sex drive. Scientists at the university asked 280 men to record their porn viewing experience while tracking the libido to see if watching sexual stimuli is related to how someone responds to, to real-life sexual dances in the bedroom. The scientists found that men who watched more than two hours of porn had a higher desire for sex with a partner than just masturbation solo sex. Ten, because it's affordable. Save a few bucks and stay inside for your next personal romp session. Visit your local strip club. I love, I'm open to visiting strip clubs or brothel. I'm open to touring legal brothels or escort service, what have you. I'm open to entertaining legal escort services. Frequently can cost you a lot of money and sometimes being in the comfort of your home adds a nice touch rather than strike up a conversation with a stranger. So getting off in public is walking the fine line of harassment. I don't mind public sex as long as no laws are broken, no harm, and we're all of age. There are a lot of free porn sites offering quality porn that's just as good as the real deal. They even offer better, more specific sexual, con sexual content than paying someone IRL. I watch real quality porn personally, and I am for the porn industry because I am for sex workers' rights. And lastly, 11, because it satisfies your desire, so you have a foot fetish, you're aroused by clowns, and you like dominatrix co costumes, but your partner isn't really into that kind of foreplay. That's okay, there's a porn site for that. One of the great things about online porn is the ability to satisfy any fetish or desire you may have when it comes to sex. Porn sites that are tailored to these desires also comfort you in knowing you aren't the only one who is turned on by specific characteristics. It creates a sense of community. Porn is also a great option for couples who are hesitant to try sexual positions that are more rough like anal or the practice of BDSM. I like BDSM. And I like Distributing anal to my partners, and we like distributing oral sex to each other. Uh, watching porn can either ease the idea of trying the positions out or solidify the decision to leave it to the professionals. It'll always be there for you to indulge in when timing is right. Here's how I personally feel. When it comes to the world of porn, here's my stipulations, my criteria. Everyone has to be of age. Uh, the do no harm principle, respect your neighbor as yourself, 
Um, no betrayal when it comes to relationships. And everything is consensual, equal, respectful, trusting, and safe. I feel that when it comes to all sex workers and all non-sex workers and all industries and all entities, all things, all people, all environments, all institutions, all places, all people. I just want to say that I'm not addicted. Um, to porn, I'm not addicted to porn. I don't use porn badly. None of my desires are deviant. When I was talking about deviant earlier, I was talking about the difference between perverts and people who have sexual desires that are unconventional sex. Like, I have unconventional sex. I, even though I have vanilla sex from time to time, I prefer unconventional sex over vanilla sex personally. Even though I have non-kinky sex, I prefer kinky sex over non-kinky sex personally. And when I talk about deviant, the difference between Adults with um, adults who engage in conventional sex and perversion. Okay, I hate perversion. I hate perversity. I hate the perverse. I do. So, kind of pouring into is quality. Um, I'm respectful. As a viewer. I don't when it comes to anti-porn people, anti-sex work people. I am none of the problem when it comes to myself with porn at all. So I experience all of the 11 unexpected benefits of watching porn. And y'all all know what they are. So thank you for listening.